Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Good morning. What is up, LifeGate? Come on, isn't it awesome to be here in God's house worshiping together? I'm telling you, there is nothing like worshiping God in person with your church family, amen? And we are thrilled that you are here to join us for worship today. Also want to say a big welcome to everybody that's joining us online as well. I know it's a holiday weekend. There are so many other things you could be doing, but you decided to be here today, and that is so important. We're thrilled that you are here. And today, here's what we're doing is we are wrapping up this series that we've been doing over the last several weeks, a vision series called We Are LifeGate. So I'm going to need you one more time. Come on, get your hands ready like this and just be ready to go with me on the count of three we're gonna do we are life gate ready one two three we are life gate man you guys are doing good yeah took you five weeks to understand it but you got it good job there And here's what we've been doing. We've been talking through our vision as a church. Our vision is to make moments that change lives. And I got to celebrate today a moment that happened last Sunday night. Come on, how many were at Pirates Cove Water Park last Sunday night? It was a moment to remember, a moment to celebrate lives that were changed because so many of you showed up at the water park. In fact, we gave away 650-something wristbands, so that means 650-something people were there to celebrate with us. Yeah, that's cool. What's cooler than that is on that night, we were able to actually baptize 69 people. Come on. Isn't that cool? That means 69 people who were going all in saying, man, I want to go public with my faith. That was a moment where 69 people were saying, my life has been changed by what God is doing in me. And that's what we're all about. That is our vision to make those moments that lead to lives being changed. So in this series, we've just been studying about what does that look like for us as a church? We've been looking at some of our core values together as a church. And so today we're going to wrap this up on this Labor Day weekend by talking about our final core value as a church, something that is so important to us, and that is to invest in the next generation. In fact, that's why you saw the youth band up here today. That's why we do what we do to invest in families and to invest in the next generation. And so today, to help us to learn what it looks like to invest in the next generation, I want you to welcome to the stage today, the greatest kids pastor of all time, the most incredible youth pastor of all time. Come on, I want you to give a big LifeGate welcome for Pastor Colton and Pastor Cassie. Welcome them as they come. Well, come on, welcome guys. Thank you. You guys are kind of popular, I think. Yes. <laughs> that was a pretty big that was a lot bigger, you know, welcome than I got last week. I'm just saying I feel 
I, maybe I'm not as good of a hype man. As oh, maybe not. It's the, it's the hype man. That's right. Hey, we love these guys, and they invest so much in our next generation, in our kids, and in our youth. And so what we thought today is just that we would take a little bit of, uh, of time for them to just talk to us about that value and what that looks like. And so I got a few questions. We're just going to kind of go back and forth a little bit today. But I, I'm throwing them a little bit of a curveball now. They're ready for it in this service, and they weren't ready for it in the first service. But... Uh, I just want to ask you guys, before we get into the questions for today, like about your experience with feeling called to the next generation, feeling called to be a youth pastor, feeling called to be a kid's pastor, like what was that like for you? And can you just describe that moment? In fact, I started with Colton first service. I'm going to start with Pastor Cassie uh, this service. Tell me about your calling and just kind of how you got into what you're doing. Yeah, so I was 12 when I really felt the Lord call me into full-time ministry and we were actually getting our awards from Fine Arts, and if you aren't familiar with Fine Arts, it's like a talent competition for a bunch of Christians. American um, Idol. For, American for Idol church. for a bunch of Christians. Go. I'm a pro at human videos. YouTube those if you're not sure what they are. <laughs> um, but we were sitting getting our awards, and my youth pastor was talking, and it wasn't really like a spiritual moment. He was just hanging on our certificates, and it just popped into my head that, hey, Cassie, you'd probably be a good kids pastor. And obviously that was the Lord. And so I just ran with it. And I went home and I told my mom and I told my grandma and they're both like, well, we got to go tell your kids pastor. We got to get you plugged in right now. And ever since then, I was running kids lessons. As soon as I told them I was doing running services, doing worship, puppets, object lessons, anything you can think of. I became an intern for the church and I really really believed that this was what I was supposed to do. And I was, had plans to go to North Central University, another Assemblies of God Bible College in Minnesota. And the Lord at kids camp, actually, I was a counselor, told me that I was going to Texas. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. It was farther away from home. I didn't have any friends or family in Texas, but I knew that in order to fulfill my calling that was placed on my life, I had to go where God needed me to go. And so I went to SAGU and got my degree. And been at LifeGate ever since. Come on, yeah, and you've been here five and a half years. Five and a half years. That's fantastic. You put up with me for five and a half years. That's yep. fantastic. Gold star right and, here. And you know what I love is, uh, is in your story there, you said it wasn't like a super spiritual moment. It was just like you just knew God just spoke into your heart. I think sometimes when we think about our callings and our purpose and things like that, I think we think that it has to be some like God speaks down from heaven type of a moment. And sometimes it's like that and sometimes it's not. And so I love, love that story. How about you, Pastor Colton? Um, it's very similar. I was in middle school and I felt like God called me into full-time ministry. Um, my dad is a pastor. And so I just, I had to pray a lot about making sure that I wasn't just in it for the family business, but it was something that God actually uh, called me to do. Um, and so that was a big part of, of my process of being in full-time ministry. And um, it's same thing, man. As soon as I found out, our youth pastor gave me a lot of opportunities that I didn't deserve um, and gave me opportunities to serve and to be a part of the youth ministry and things like that. And I had to pray about, like, I didn't, at first I thought, you know, as a middle schooler, you're, you think that you're called to be a kid's pastor because they're younger than you and you can only minister to people younger than you. And so I thought that was it, but... 
kids ministry is not it. <laughs> uh, there's something about that transition from fifth to sixth grade that just does it. And so, but and like, and so youth ministry, I just began to realize that I got more opportunities to serve in our youth ministry, that youth ministry is what I wanted to do. Um, I, I've never felt called out of that or that maybe one day God's going to call me to be uh, a senior pastor or anything like that, which I think is a huge value for me because I just always get to look forward to doing youth ministry. I'm not trying to figure out, okay, is there another church with like an open spot at the head position or whatever? I get just to be you know, solidified in my calling as a youth love pastor. It, love yeah. it. Now, I got to know this. Did you ever do a human video? <laughs> I have done some human videos. And I remember I, where I went to school was far from where I went to church. So nobody I went to school with went to my church. And I wasn't the best Christian in high school. So I didn't have very many Christian friends. That, and they definitely didn't know what a human video was. So I remember trying to explain it to, like, this girl. And so and she just started, like, laughing at me when I was trying to tell her what a human video was. And I was like, what? It's so funny. She was like, you do interpretive dance. And I was like, okay. okay. Two worship songs. Yeah, so, yeah, drama, in that th- that's not my deal, but I got roped into it a couple times, and, I, you know, I wasn't a huge fan, but I did it for the cause. Just for the love <laughs> of Jesus, that's cause, right. Yeah. Well, hey, something that I noticed in both of your stories <laughs> is that there were people, youth pastor, kids pastor, people like that, that poured into your life, that really kind of led you in being able to discover, you know, what God had called you to do, and, you know, youth pastor and kids pastor don't necessarily, not every kid that you minister to is called to ministry But a big part of your job and your role is to just help them to discover their identity in Christ and things like that. And it's not just the youth pastor or the kids pastor that are uh, responsible for that. I mean, moms and dads that are here today, like you have an opportunity to pour into your children and make them disciples, whether they become a pastor, youth pastor, whatever it is that they do. Your ultimate job is to help them to become disciples. So let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, first of all, let's talk about this. Why, why is next-gen ministry important in the church and in the home? Why do you think that's so important? Yeah, next-gen ministry I think is so important because we have an opportunity to speak into these kids' lives and help direct them on the right path. But also just the opportunities that we can give these kids. If I wouldn't have been poured into by my youth pastor and my kids pastor, I probably wouldn't be sitting where I am today because as soon as I told them, you know, where I was going to college or what I wanted to do, they supported me 100%. And I want to do that for our kids and for our students as well. You know, like you said, not all of them are going to go into ministry, but it was the relationship that I had with my youth pastor and my kids pastor, my Sunday school teachers, people that volunteered in the ministry that really made a difference in my life and helped shape and mold who I am today. And so I want to do that as a church, you know, support our kids. They're going through really difficult times right now. Just support them, be there for them, and be a safe place for them. That's good. That's good. And I, I totally agree. And I think a big part of what we do, yes, we celebrate people who are going into full-time ministry, but I think of certain students that we have in our ministry that aren't called to that. Um, and to me, I'm almost in some ways more proud of them for like saying, you know, like, like I think about Jacob and I think about Madison, who are two like solid people in our youth ministry and all of their friends around are like, we're going to Bible college, we're going on to full-time ministry. And they're like, that's not what God's called me to do. And I get really proud of them for not like just saying, okay, well, that's what everybody else is doing. So that's what I'm going to say yes to. And but making sure that man, when it comes to next generation, making sure that we're investing, that we're pouring into everybody, because there's a huge moment by the time from the time that they're born to the time that they're 18 and go to college, that if we don't grab them and try to really speak truth into their life, um, that we've really missed out on that. And so, 
Parents, it's important for pastors and mentors. It's really important to make sure that we don't miss that opportunity. And I talked about in first service that there was even a time with Moses. You know, his mom like shipped him off uh, down the Nile River in a basket and 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 was away from him because of the the pressure of that time. But because God's amazing, she was allowed to take care of him for a period of time. And while she was doing that, even in his early years of like one through four, she was like whispering into his ears, like the real biblical truth of who God is. And even though somebody who would have been so heavily influenced by Egyptian culture, there was still someone right there like, hey, this is the real truth. Here's the real promise. And so then we get the rest of the story of Moses. And I don't believe that we would get the rest of the story of Moses if it wasn't for his parent right there in his ear saying, here's is the real truth because I mean for to be honest, our, our Gen Z right now is totally inundated with our culture and everything that the culture is saying. So there has to be somebody, parents and mentors in their ear saying, hey, we know that this is what culture is saying, but this is what God's word says. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And here's the thing is, you know, it's not just the church's job to disciple uh, young people and children the job of moms and dads. I mean, that's actually your number one responsibility is to raise up your children in the things of the Lord. So what are some of you think some of the biggest challenges with that? Like as a mom or a dad, if I'm a mom or dad sitting in this room, and I am one sitting here today, I'm a dad that I want to disciple and pour into my kids. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges to that in our generation and our culture that's going on today? I think that one of the big challenges man, is just helping them discover their identity and who God's really called them to be because there are so many voices around them speaking into them. And, and it's not even just voices speaking into them. It's voices that they're asking to be influences into their life through social media and things like that. And so helping them really navigate the stream of life and what God's called them to do. And that is a big hurdle because there's so much happening in our world um, and so much information and things that can be downloaded into their minds that we have to make sure that on our end that we're, we're pushing them in the right direction. And that can be hard because it seems like there's a lot of directions to go and there's definitely directions that are easier than following Christ. And when we see something that's easier, we kind of want to go on that path that's a little bit more carved out. But the reality is that may not be what God's called us to do. And so as a parent and as a mentor, trying to help them see the clear path that God's called them to, to be on is really important and it makes it really hard when there's so many influences around them. And so helping them to discover their identity, I think, is the, is the hardest part of that. Um, but it's something we have to be kind of tenacious about, too. That's good. Cassie, yeah. anything you want to speak Yeah, to I think one is battling the schedule and also making the Bible relevant to where your child is right now, too. As parents, as leaders, as guardians, we're pulled in all different directions. You're trying to get your kids breakfast, dressed, out the door to school, pick them up, dinner, you know, get them fed, bathed, and then to bed. And by the time you know it, the day's already done. And where were your little moments to disciple your kids? And I know it's diff. I'm not a parent yet, but I know it's so difficult to try to fit in everything. And you may not know where to start. Sometimes it can feel so overwhelming because you're like, listen, I'm not a pastor. I didn't go for- to school for this. I don't know what I'm doing. But if you just start small, five minutes, 10 minutes right before bed, you know, hey, let's put the Xbox up 10 minutes early or let's go lay down five minutes early. And so we can read a Bible story together or that we can pray together. Doing those little things is going to make a huge difference in your kids' lives, especially if they're like, if they come into life, kids on Sunday mornings or LGY and they're like, oh, wow, we already knew this because of what mom and dad and I did the other night together. It's so important. And so prioritizing just even a small Bible story. And 
If you don't know where to start, you can come find me. I have so many, so many resources. There's so many cool Bibles out there. Because like Pastor Chad can't sit down with Easton, who's four, and start reading the King James Version, you know. It's not going to go well for him. I but can't even <laughs> read the King James Version myself. What are you talking about? But he can grab, you know, a preschool Bible and start reading the stories or let Easton try to read it. And it's going to make more of an impact. Or you can get on YouTube. And if you if you need help, I know kids love YouTube. Just type in Saddleback Kids. They have have so many incredible, well-put, theologically-based videos that your kids will love. We use them almost every Sunday in Life Kids, and our kids look forward to them because they are learning, but it's also on their level. You know, my favorite Bible is called the Action Bible, and it's a comic book format, and I'm 27 years old. So I know that if I like it, your kids will, but start small. Make it a habit so when they do become students, when they take on that by themselves, they'll have a stronger, you know, faith. They'll have a stronger walk with the Lord. When they go off to college, they'll want to do their devotions. They'll want to get in the Word. They'll want to have Bible studies if you start that in the home now. Yeah, I'm writing that down. Saddleback kids. Hey, yo, Jesus. Yes, because we have a son four and a half years old, and he likes Ryan and all those other <laughs> YouTube videos. So we're going to get some Saddleback kids. Hey, I want to I piggyback on that just a little bit and just say, you know, also, if you're trying to disciple your teenager or your kid, look, your kids cannot, you cannot give to them something you don't have for yourself. And the truth is, is that they're not going to do what you say. They're going to become who you are. And so you can't make disciples of the next generation until you have decided to be a disciple yourself. And so if you're not reading the Bible, you think your kids are going to read the Bible. If you're not going to church regularly, you think they're going to when they grow up and can choose for themselves. If you're not trusting the Lord with your finances, do you think really that they're going to trust the Lord with their finances? So you are the example. The way that you are living is actually... they're. they're they're going to be more likely to become like you than to just do the things that you tell them or that their youth pastor or kids pastor tells them to do. And your number one responsibility, moms and dads, is to invest, to disciple your students. And that's hard because, you know, the next generation is different than us. In fact, we think about Gen Z and Gen Y that are coming up. I mean, they are facing different struggles than we may have faced. So talk to us a little bit, guys, about what are some of the main struggles that maybe Gen, Gen Z and Gen Y are facing in their life right now that may be different than what we might understand? Yeah, I think one of the big ones is, is that whenever us as, I mean, well, pretty from millennial down, saying millennial and Gen Z focus on those two for right now. If you look at those two, they're a lot different than Gen X and the boomer generation because of two things. Because of that, because of the, the era that those two older generations were in, they didn't have cell phones in their hands. The TV only had like 17 channels. You know, there was only so many things that they could do to get information. So really their view of thinking is really localized. Everything is focused on the context that they know. If you're raised in Burleson during that time, you know a lot about Burleson, you know a lot about Texas because that's what you were informed by. But right now, the generation that's growing up, they have more of a, a global view of the world, a global understanding of the world. And so for us, I think it's important to understand that, man, why am I not thinking like them? Well, because you didn't receive information in the way that they receive information. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think in some ways it's more healthy for them to have a, a total view of the entire world and what the entire world thinks instead of just the bubble of like, man, this is the 
the community that I grew up in. This is what I think. This is what we've always thought. But instead, now they're being influenced by, by TikTok and YouTube and, and Instagram, all these influencers that are all over the world and not just influenced by people here in America, but people in Europe and people in, in Asia and all these other countries all over the world. So understanding that they're not just being influenced by people from, from North Texas or being influenced by people all over the world. So I think there's somewhere, there's sometimes that's why we have a little bit of a, a gap between the two different generations. And it's just because they've received information differently. So I think a big hurdle for the two to try to make sure that they are understanding one another is trying for the, the older generation to understand why the younger generation thinks the way that they do. And then the younger generation to do the same thing. We can't be bottled up in our way of thinking. And that is difficult because we've conditioned ourselves to receive information in a specific way or to think a specific way. But for us to be able to understand each other, to influence each other, and to really be able to be taught by each other, we have to know how each other thinks. And I think that'll be really important for both generations to try to bridge that gap. Because I get really tired of hearing older generations talk about make fun of millennials or make fun of Gen Z. But then I also get really frustrated when I hear about Gen Z or millennials make fun of boomers or whatever. I'm like, let, like let's bridge the gap here instead of just pointing fingers like they're so old or they don't understand. Like, let's understand together and for parents to be able to understand, man, let's not be offended by the way that my kid thinks or let's not be offended because I'm trying to talk to them. And while I'm talking to them, they have an AirPod in one ear. We're in a generation right now that can actually multitask really well. And when you think they're not paying attention, they're actually absorbing the most important parts. Good. And so they're trying to intake so much. And so for us just to help to to understand the way that they learn a little bit more. That's good. You have anything to add to that, Cass? Yeah, I think another hurdle that they're facing is figuring out how to handle their mental health. Because I know with the millennials, we're just now getting comfortable about talking about our struggles with our mental health. But in the older generation, it was such a stigma. And now Gen Z, if they're struggling with something, they're going to let you know because they want help. And it's so important for us as pastors and mentors and parents to be able to come alongside our students and our kids and help them. And maybe they don't want to talk to you right then, that's okay. But we need to get them the help that they need just because this generation more than any other is dealing with so much depression and so much anxiety. And we want to be the ones that they turn to the church. We want to be the ones that they seek help from, that they seek refuge from. We want to turn them towards Christ because ultimately he, he is our healer, but we want to make sure that they get the help we need. Because if we ignore the issues that they're going through, then they're going to turn somewhere else to get the help. And that might not be the godly voice that they need in their life right now. And sometimes we have to love them even through the hard stuff. All the time we have to love them. And sometimes it's hard. It's difficult. We don't know how, but that's going to make, that's going to be a defining moment in their life when they look back and say, wow, I was struggling with this. I didn't know what to do with my anxiety. I didn't know what to do with my depression, but I went to my pastor. I went to my mom or my dad, and they really helped walk me through that instead of just turning a blind eye to it. That's going to make a difference in their life. And ultimately that's going to make a difference in their physical health, spiritual health, and their mental health. And if you don't know where to turn, you know, go get, go get them some professional help. There are counselors all over biblical, godly Christian counselors that can help walk your child, walk your student through the trials that they're going through right now. Yeah, that's huge. So good. And there's like three different directions I want to go from that. And we'll try to get all of those in there. First of all, that I know Pastor Cassie is trained in, in counseling, has a degree in that. So I know she could help in that as well as help you to find someone. If you have a child that is struggling with the mental health, 
But how do we, I think this kind of goes along with one of these questions that we prepared, like how do we make sure as parents or as pastors or as the church that we are being that place, that safe place where our kids want to come to us when they are facing a big issue? How do we become a trusted uh, confidant to them when it's difficult so that they're not going to other sources that might not be good sources? How do we do that? I think two things. One is involvement, and then when they do come to us with something big, our reaction in the moment. And so involvement, be involved in your kid's life. Um, And kind of be over-involved. It's still okay to, like, helicopter over your kids a little bit. And you can kind of do it in, like, a secret way. And I'm about to make the teenagers mad in the room. (laughs) But parents, if you're in here and you don't have the password and they're logging to every form of social Mm -hmm. media that they have, they are doing things that you wish you didn't know about. I'm just telling you, if you don't have that information, if you're not checking on their social media, they might not be doing things in the home that are blatant, but there's stuff that they will be hiding from you inside their social media. It's just the reality of it. And so we have to make sure that as parents, and I like, I think about like, I, there's, here's the, the bridge. Some of you guys are like, Colton, you just have like a six-year-old and younger. I may know how to pastor. I'm not learned totally how to parent yet, but I do know that when my kids get to that age, I'll have every form of their access. I'll have all of it because like there's no point where they're too big for me to know what's happening in their life and so you may not be able to know everything but when you force yourself to be involved and not in like a like a helicopter I'm trying to hijack your freedom but just to say hey it's all about accountability and I want to help you I want to help you navigate this I think social media is one of the greatest tools that we can have in our hand we just have to use it in the right way there just has to be accountability there and then the second part is like our reaction when they do come to us with something big is really important. It's really important. And that starts even when they're kids. Like if they break a vase, the way that we respond mm-hmm. there determines whether or not when they, they come to us in a broken relationship or they find, we find out that they've been drinking on Friday night and they want to come and talk to you. If you freaked out because of a vase when they were five, now they're terrified of how you're going to react when they're 16 years old and they went partying with their friends. And they really want to tell you because here's the reality. If your student is doing something like that, they want you to know. They want you to know. They might be hiding it, but they wish that they didn't have to hide it every single time. But a lot of times we just have to train ourselves in how we respond. And that's something I always try to tell our students is that there's nothing you can say except for maybe that I've got somebody buried out back that's going <laughs> to shock me. Like, like I honestly, I have heard it all. I've dealt with it all. I've helped people through so many different things. And for parents, like parents, we, you've grown up in this world. Don't, don't be surprised when you find out that your student is going through the, some of the same things that you've gone through. And let's not like forget how hard it was to be a teenager just because we're an adult. And honestly, it's harder now to be a teenager than it ever has been. And statistics have shown that. And so I think our response to our kids when they do come to us with big issues will help them to trust us in the future. And so just being, making sure, man, when they tell me something, yes, I might be brokenhearted. Yes, I might be frustrated, but I'm not going to let them know that in the moment. The only thing I'm going to show is the fact that I'm going to love them through whatever they're dealing with. Yeah. Let them know that you love them no matter what, that anything that they're going to say, you know, isn't, your love for them doesn't correlate on what their actions have been or what 
they're going to say to you and create a safe space for them to come talk to you. You know, if they say, hey, I really need to talk to you about something, but you're doing the dishes, say, okay, I hear you. Why don't we talk tonight before bed? Or why don't we talk then? Create a safe space and give them your attention. Because if you, if they're trying to come tell you something, that's a huge step. You know, they want to tell you, they want your advice. So don't turn away from them. Don't be like, okay, we'll just talk about it later, whatever. Sit down with them, give them your attention, let them know that you care because if they don't feel like they're getting that from you, they will go talk to someone else about it who maybe is not going to give them the godly advice or wisdom that they need. And then also keep their confidence. You know, if your kids, your students tell you something pretty big, don't go blasting it all over social media. If you need to go talk to someone about getting some godly wisdom about how to handle this situation with your child, that's totally different. But keep their confidence because that's a huge step for your kid and your student to come to you because they do feel like you're a safe place. That's good. I I think I'll add to that a little bit as a parent of teenagers, and they're both sitting in this room right now, uh, so I don't want to give away too too many of my secrets, but I will say it like this, is that when they're ready to talk, you just better be ready to talk right then because you can't plan it. It can't be like, hey, we're going to have this talk. No, when they're ready, they will, and sometimes it comes at times when you're not really expecting it. You might be driving in the car, taking them somewhere. It might be bedtime, and you're just wanting to chill out and get ready to go to bed, and then suddenly they come in and pile in on your, you know, on your bed. Our girls like to do that, and uh, when that happens, I know, okay, hey, maybe it's time to turn the TV off or put my phone down or turn the radio down in the car because this is their time that they're wanting to talk to me about these things and to, and to walk through that with them in a daily on a daily basis. Now, now think about this. I, I think as a parent, my goal is not just to protect my child and not to just make sure that they stay out of trouble. My goal is to help them understand God's plan for their life and to help them to have a personal relationship with Jesus. So how can we, how can we help them to walk into having a personal relationship with Jesus? And intermixed in there, how does church and youth group and life kids and camp and missions trips and all of those things how do those intermingle into this idea that as a parent I want them to have their own relationship with God have their own faith yeah so your child's life with Jesus, their relationship with Jesus, their faith life is going to look very similar to yours because as they're, when they're little, their brain is still developing. They're adjusting so much. So what gets put in is going to be stored into who they are. And so I use this example first service, but what happens in your family when a struggle or a trial or something bad happens? What's your reaction? So what if your kid tries really hard for the basketball team and then doesn't make it. Do you go to the basketball coach and ask, you know, why my kid didn't make it, but this kid did? Or do you talk to your kid and say, hey, you know what? That just wasn't meant for you right now. God has something better for you. And if you say, hey, listen, God has something better for you, your kid's going to be like, well, I don't want the spiritual answer right now. Yeah. You know, I wanted you to take care of this. I've been there too. But it's going to show them that you're relying on God instead of your own power. And so if you do that, your kids are going to grow up thinking, okay, well, you know, this happened, but I saw mom and dad do this. 
So if they're relying on God, I can rely on God too. Because if mom and dad are walking through the fire, but they're still praising Jesus, when your kids get thrown into the fire, they're going to turn to the Lord too. Because Pastor Colton gets them for an hour and a half on Wednesday nights. I get them for an hour and 15 minutes-ish on Sunday mornings. And if that's the only time that their relationship with the Lord is being cultivated, it's going to be built on a really rocky foundation. And as they get older, they're not going to be able to stand as strong as they would have if that's been cultivated and built from the time they were little and in the home and they're watching mom and dad because I know my kids love me I know our students love Pastor Colton but you guys are their parents they're going to look to you they're going to take your example because you are with them all the time. I know sometimes you're like, I need a break. So that's why you send them to Life Kids or to LGY. <laughs> but you're with them all the time. And who they see you being, that's what you're going to duplicate in your children. So I just encourage you, I challenge you, think about where you are in your faith life right now. And also, just to tie in camp and church, you know, send them to Life Kids, send them to LGY, even if they don't want to go at the moment, send them because they will be with a group of peers their age, all going after the same thing, all struggling with the same thing. But here they get courage, they get support, they get people who love them and who want to cheer them on and help them be the best person that God created them to be. So camp, youth, you know, mission trip, that stuff's expensive, you know? <laughs> Is it worth it? I mean, should it be, should we make the effort to get our kids to camp, get our kids to, to all the different, you know, on the missions trips and things like that? Tell me, tell me it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. (laughs) It is expensive, especially if you have more than one kid, like, and then you've taken like one single camp cost and now you're duplicating it, like tripling it and it gets expensive. And so it, it is worth it. And I think for camp financially, try to make it work. I think for missions, make them pay for it. Like yeah. that was me. I, every mission trip I ever went on when I was in high school and middle school, I paid every single dime, every dime. Like my parents never had to bail me out or pay extra. I worked until I could go. I sent out letters and I worked a full time. Like I built in ground swimming pools as a 14 year old because I wanted to make sure that I could go on the mission trip that God called me to. Because that's the thing is if your student's coming to you and saying, God wants me to go on the mission trip and like, that's great. Then God wants you to work for it. And student, God wants you to work for it. And you're going to have to figure out how to pay for it. And so that I think, and when they are paying for it themselves, they're realizing like this investment and, and it makes them, it, the weight's on their shoulders a little bit too. And it is, it's so worth it because I think you could talk to any of our students that have been on a missions trip and they'll tell you it changed their life. Yeah. Um, it, every single one has changed my life. I've been on 10 missions trips now and every single one has impacted me in a massive way. And so I think understanding that and, and partnering with them and trying to push them to do it, even though it's outside of their comfort zone, yeah, I think is, is really important. It's good. I, I, I'll wrap up with this, just saying I want to have every opportunity for my kids to get in an environment where they can have a moment that would lead to a life change in their life. And I think about it, man, I want my kids to be successful in their school and in their sports and in those things. And so what do I do? Man, I get them to practice and I get them to volleyball camp and I get them to the band camp and I, those things because I want them to be successful there. But those are things that just, let's just be real. When they get to be adults, those are things that will be nice memories for them. But something that will change their eternity is if God gets a hold of their life in a moment. So what, if I'm going to spend that much 
emphasis and that much money and that much time getting them to volleyball camp and band camp and all that kind of stuff, how much more of an investment is it that I make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to get them into LGY service every Wednesday night, to get them into Life, uh, Life Kids every single Sunday, to get them to camp every year, to get them on a missions trip, if there's a missions trip, to do whatever I got to do to get them in an environment where they can have that moment that's going to lead to a change in their life because the eternal things are the things that matter the most. Come yeah, on, right? that's good. And I, one thing just to, to kind of like, I, I know you're trying to wrap up, I promise. Yeah, you know, but anyway, but, but something that I even read an article this week, and I know that we're in like a really hard season right now, like across the board about what we let our kid do when it comes to being out in public, when it comes to church and a lot of that type of stuff. I know that it's really hard to come to church on Sunday when there is no child care, there's no life kids, there's no nursery. But then this article that I read that really like helped me a lot was understanding that if we're only coming to church because there's life kids, then what we've done is condition our kids to understand that we only go to church when it's convenient. Mm. And here's the deal, like we have to get our kids in the building, in church, in community, no matter what. And I know that it's hard, but here's the deal, Wednesday nights and, and, and same thing with life kids, we're doing everything to make sure that it's safe. We have to trust God with the rest of that. But, and, here, and for us too, like speaking on stage, if we don't have life kids and you want to bring them into the room, it's our commitment too to make sure that, like your kid can sit right back there and they can cry and scream and throw a fit. All we care about is that you're in the building right. hearing yeah. the word of God. And yeah. we want the same thing for them. So it's not a distraction for us, it's an investment for us to know, you know what, that parent came, even though that their kid isn't settled, I don't care. I'm just so glad that they're in the good. room absorbing good. the gospel, even when it's uncomfortable. That's good, that's good, yes. And let me just say this, we are working hard to get all of Life Kids opened back up. And last week I just challenged you, if, you're, if you were serving before but haven't come back to serving, come on, come on back and serve with us and so that we can open up our Life Kids and our nursery and all those things so that more people can come back to church in the building. We believe we can do it in a safe way, but we need your help to be able to do that. So if someone is sitting out there right now and going, hey, I want to get involved in serving in Life Kids or in the nursery or I want to get involved in serving in LifeGate Youth, just real quick, just give us a nutshell of how they can get involved so that we can invest in the next generation. Yeah, just come find me. I would love to talk to you. It would be so awesome. Um, but we will give, I will give you a volunteer guide, and it's just going to run through our policies and procedures about how we create a safe environment over in Life Kids because our kids' spiritual relationship with the Lord and safety are our top priorities over there. And so we'll just give you a policies and procedures guide. It'll also have an explanation of every class so you can choose which one that you'd like to try out. And then we'll do a background check. You'll get a cool look looking t-shirt and then we'll plug you in. Come on. It's worth it for the t-shirt. There so, you go. <laughs> Free t-shirt. Yeah. yeah, same thing. Just come and find me. Come in and we'll talk. You can hop on the app and you can fill out the application there as well. But, I mean, this whole series has been about creating moments. And I'm telling you, you will have life-changing moments when you get involved with Next Generation. That's good, good. Come on, give it up for Pastor Cassie and Colton. Thank you, guys. Let's do this. I want us to stand together all over the room. And those of you that are online as well, I believe this is the moment right now where God wants to speak to our hearts. Maybe some of you are watching online, some of you in the room right now.
And you heard what Pastor Colton was saying about, hey, when your kid comes to you, you accept them no matter what is going on in their life. And you know what that is? That's the heart of a father and a mother. And let me just tell you something. There is a father in heaven who has that exact same heart for you. There's nothing that you can bring to him that will shock him that he hasn't heard. When you come to him, he loves you and he accepts you with open arms. And maybe there are some of you that are in this room right now that have not come to that relationship with him. Maybe you've even been afraid to come to him because you're going, I've messed up too bad or God could never love me after the things that I have done. But here's what I want you to know. There is a loving father and he is in this room right now. His arms are open to you. And if you're here and you say, I know I'm not where I should be with my heavenly father, but today I want to have right relationship with him. I want to come to him. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this room today, if that's you and you say, I know I'm not where I should be with God, but right now I want to be in a right relationship with him. Just real quick, just slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Thank you right there. Others, I see back here, another over here on my left. Thank you for that. If you're online, let us know in the comments there or send us a message so that we can pray with you. Here's what I want us to do. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. We're going to have a moment of prayer. Then we're going to have a moment of family prayer. Then we'll give you just a quick announcement. Then we're going to let you go. But I want you to pray this with me. Everyone, especially those that raise your hand and those of you at home as well as we pray as we come to God. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I confess I am a sinner, but I thank you that you accept me just as I am. But you also love me so much to help me grow in you. I give my life to you today. Forgive me of my sins from this moment forward. I surrender to you. Be my Savior and be my Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we just give the Lord an offering of praise? Hey, this is what I want us to do this morning as you're sitting with your families in just these next few moments. I would like for you to gather with your family, those of you in family units, and just have a moment of prayer. Whoever's the head over the household, I just want you to pray over your family. Pray over your children. If you're the dad and you're the head over the household, pray over them. If you're the mom and you're the head over your household, pray over your family. If you're here and you're with someone or you're by yourself and you don't have a family, just join with one of those families and let's just have a moment to pray over our family together. Come on, let's just do that. Just take this next, take this next 90 seconds and let's have a moment of prayer together today. Father, today we pray over every family. God, every single family unit, Lord, in this place, every mom, every dad, Lord, that are leading their family well, give them strength and encouragement.
for every next gen, every uh, child, every teenager. God, you have incredible plans for their life. God, every single adult that's here tonight, every or today, every grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle. God, together we are a part of your family. We thank you, Lord, that you are leading us and guiding us and directing us in the things of God. Come on, let's just one more time give the Lord praise today.